Thanks for joining us, everyone. We're here today with Carrie Newman, executive editor at Fortress Press and editor of a new book by Walter Brueggemann titled Ancient Echoes, Refusing the Fear-Field, Greed-Driven Toxicity of the Far Right. <clears throat> Carrie is the author of several of his own books, and Walter Brueggemann is William Marcellus McFeeder's Professor Emeritus of Old Testament at Columbia Theological Seminary. And an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ, Walter is regarded as the premier Old Testament interpreter and biblical theologian. Among his many publications are Prophetic Imagination and Old Testament Theology. You can learn more about him at walterbrueggemann.com and about the book at fortresspress.com. So, uh, Carrie, thanks so much for joining us. Um, maybe to start off, what else would you like people to know about you? Oh, let's see. Um... I'm a writer, theologian, um, New Testament scholar. I've been an editor, a publisher, a teacher, a professor. I'm a chef and the happy owner of a multi-poo. So there you go. <laughs> oh, oh, and my most recent avocation is to be a high school football referee. Oh, there you go. That's interesting. So um, you've known Walter and worked with Walter for, for many years. Can you describe some of the projects that you've collaborated on with him? Yes. So um, my first introduction to Walter was as a, uh, a theology student and as a doctoral student. I read his Vitality of Old Testament Traditions, and it absolutely transformed me uh, in the way that I thought. And then he had... Two, uh, two essays uh, uh, published in the Catholic Biblical Quarterly that I basically just, you know, memorized um, on um, structural legitimation and embrace of pain as the two trajectories through the Bible. It's a, it's a brilliant uh, piece. Um, when I uh, uh, started my teaching career, I used his books as my textbooks. Hmm. And then when I did the sideways step into publishing at Westminster. One of the first volumes that I ever commissioned uh, was um, the introduction to the Old Testament um, at Westminster, which, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it paid my salary and many others for many years. It's done very, very well. And it's done well because uh, Walter has the ability um, uh, to describe um what makes biblical texts tick? How they're how the tectonic plates that rub against each other inside a biblical text. He, he can put his finger on that tension that's created, and he has the ability to to do that in the language of um, the general uh, reader, the layperson, and our culture. I mean, mm -hmm. he can marry those two things together uh, in a in a way, and then. Um, Walter's just a prophet in, in some respects. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was at Westminster. When I uh, ran a university press, I had uh, Walter's books on my list. And when I showed up at uh, Fortress, one of the first uh, people I signed up again was, guess who? Walter Brueggemann. So at every stop along my career, Walter has been um, uh, a figure that I've measured myself against, both in terms of my own intellectual capacities and work, and then as an editor. And I'm proud to say that we're friends and colleagues and um, have that kind of very special relationship that 
uh, develops over time. And it's thrilling that he's still writing, too. You know, if Walter's drawing breath, Walter's writing. Writing <laughs> is living, and living is writing for Walter. Well, I mean, good for him. I mean, because he's been incredibly valuable, as you said, for decades now, and um, you know, one of the most revered authors and experts on you know Old Testament and more. <laughs> so let's talk about this new book. As I said, the title is interesting. It's called Ancient Echoes, Refusing the Fear-Filled, Greed-Driven Toxicity of the Far Right. So how did that book come about? Uh, Walter, uh, one of the ways he's continued to write has been uh, to um, post uh, short-form writing uh, on various you know, websites and um Walter also has the habit of reading very, very widely. I discovered this very early in my career, that Walter not only read uh, biblical studies and theology, but Walter read um, uh, sociology and philosophy. He read history. He read uh, politics and contemporary analyses of culture. And um, so Walter uh, 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 found a book that was addressing uh, these eight toxicities, as he labels them, uh, in our culture uh, from the far right that are destructive. And it's like, it's like a, a cancerous disease on our culture. And he, uh, he founded a provocation and wanted to address those. And he addressed it in the way that Walter does, by allowing the Bible, um, not in, in a, in a, in a in a proof texting sort of way. I mean, uh, part of the problem in reading the Bible is that life is so chaotic and the Bible is so settled that how do you marry those two things together? Well, the easy thing to do is to find um, a passage in the Bible that looks like it just marries up, like a hammer and a nail to a problem, and boy, you just use it in a in a in a flat sort of way. Well, Walter refuses that. He's a biblical theologian. He's committed to the Bible, probably more so than a lot of people who critique him uh, sometimes from uh, the right uh, for, for not being biblical enough. But I, I would say this, what Walter's after is trying to allow the grammar of the Bible to become the grammar for life. Mm -hmm. He translates this deep grammar that organizes the way the Bible is into a kind of grammar that can help us organize our life. And so he used um, um, uh, a book as a provocation to uh, write uh, what came to be Ancient Echoes. And it's in, it's in the title there, Ancient Echoes. Ancient because he is still unashamed and unapologetic about turning to the Bible for wisdom and guidance. And it's ancient. He will admit this. It's an it's an ancient set of prescriptions, and that comes with baggage. But it's also echoes. It reverberates in our contemporary culture, and so he's after the way in which the ancient Bible reverberates and addresses these eight provocations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, can you talk about what some of those eight are? Oh, yes. Um, uh, number one, um, that um, uh, uh, faith is a fiction. 
<laughs> the faith is fiction. What? Why would you want to believe something so old? I mean, come on, grow up. What we need to believe in is transactional politics right now. <laughs> and we can see that in our culture. Mm -hmm. You can see that people who know better will lie in front of a TV screen about what the truth is. Why? Because it's better to lie for one's political transactions. And if you're guided by faith, you can't do that. And uh, those who, uh, who engage in such a transactional uh, activity don't believe. They just don't believe in the vitality of faith. Um, what? Government is bad. That's another one of these provocations. The government is evil. The government is contaminated. The government is too big to, to, to everything. And you can't be trusted that the institutions of government are inherently bad. And I'm going to be the first, and Walter would be as well, to say that there's a large segment of our population that has experienced systemic oppression. And that systemic oppression is housed in governmental um, uh, bodies and procedures. There's just no doubt about it that we live in a world that has, 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 has racism sewn into it. But that still doesn't mean that um, we can't do things together for the common good. So Walter's going to challenge the notion that uh, all government is bad. Um, Oh, another one, that um, uh, science itself is suspect. <laughs> Can't believe in science. Science is a, it's just a twisted form of rhetoric. It's a tool of, of those who are in power. And, that, and, and Walter kind of shakes his head, appeals to Sirach and the wisdom of Ben Sirach to say, mm, no, not so fast. Um, wisdom is a good thing. And wisdom encompasses uh, not only what is gleaned when you read the biblical text, but wisdom lives in a lot of places. And um, uh, it, it is discoverable. And so, uh, again, he's going to contest that, you know, science is to be distrusted. Um, oh, that liberty, <laughs> liberty is cashed out as selfishness. <laughs> what it means to be free really means meism. And it doesn't. Um, liberty is a, um, uh, a cherished thing, and I, we enjoy it. And I happen to live in the great and sovereign state of Texas, where liberty is um, uh, a very valued uh, 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 uh social good. And if you go to West Texas, you, you discover, you know, uh, don't fence me in is a way of life. Oh. And, uh, but we always have to remember that liberty is a corporate arrangement. And there are always, always agreed upon restrictions. When I step onto a plane to fly somewhere, I agree. I agree that some of my movement needs to be restricted. I agree that 
you know, as much as I don't want to, I have to put my seat up before we take off. I mean, there, there are things that we do. We just agree that this is okay for safety reasons for the other in our life. And so Walter uh, is going to push against the notion of uh, liberty as just pure selfishness. Um, oh, that inequality is a bad thing. Um, inequality has been um, 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 excuse me, that equality is a bad thing. And okay. inequality has been treated as uh, uh, a kind of social given. Hmm. It's not a bad thing to be unequal. And he's going to challenge that, that we all should be working for equality for the other and justice for the other. Uh, and that these are great common social neighborly neighborly things you do mm -hmm. um when when the limb when the limbs fall from the tree in my neighbor's yard and she's a widow i should go over and <laughs> clean up her yard for her mm -hmm. i should it's what you do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't just take care of my yard i take care of my neighbor's yard <laughs> Well, I mean, those are the, the so you can see how these and and what's toxic about our culture right now is that on most of these issues, we have decided wrongly. The gravity has come to rest f for a lot of us on the wrong side of these issues. And the grammar of the Bible has not become the grammar of our corporate life. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that in the title you highlight the word greed, right? Because to me, that's what's underlying basically all of us. Greed is good. <laughs> How's that? Well, <clears throat> that's what, if you're, if you're godless, greed is your God. It is your totem. It is what you're going to worship. What else is there? What else is there? I mean, power and greed and, and the, the, the aggregation of self. Well, you know, that's, that's all that's left if you don't have a, a God invited to the conversation. Hmm. And what Walter does is to say you can't have a conversation about life without having the God of the biblical text there to talk to you mm. about what constitutes life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And faith is nothing other than pull up, pulling up a chair for, for the God who raised Jesus to come and sit down and talk with us about what constitutes life. So what was it like working with him on this book? So I will tell you, um, Working with Walter is a joy because um, it's really advanced chess. <laughs> so I can remember the day that uh, I, I commissioned this book on Old Testament introduction and uh, uh, flew back to Louisville. And uh, weeks, weeks later, this is back when you used to use physical mail. What a thing. And uh, big package comes to my office, Un unwrap it, and it's from Walter. It's about 150 pages of the book. And short letter says, Carrie, 
is this what you're looking for? Hope so, Walter. You know? <laughs> so I sit down and I read it, and it wasn't. And so I bled all over the page and sent it back. Six months later, the book comes back fully formed and perfect. Wow. <laughs> That's what it is to work with Walter. Wow, really? All you have to do is nudge him, and he fills out the rest of the page. Wow. He's a pro. And a lot of the times, you don't even need to nudge him. He already has it. <laughs> and, you know, it's like working with Walter is like trying to edit Mozart. <laughs> I mean, it's a foolish, it's, it's a fool's errand to try and do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, does, he does things, he does things that drive me crazy. So <laughs> if, if you look at the page and even in ancient echoes, I've tried to get him to stop doing this, but it's so much part of his, his, the way that he works. I mean, he has these bulleted lists. He has sub numbers. He has, you know, five things of this and seven of that. And I go, no, 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 no. Walter, be a better poet. Be a better poet. And um, he, no, you know, it's the way that he works. And there's something about it. I, I've come to understand that th this is how he not only thinks, but it's also how people get to look into the workroom of his thoughts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I've, I've just given up. I mean, sometimes people are so idiosyncratic that uh, working with them is to mess them up. It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, what I heard when I was working on behalf of Frederick Beekner, you know, I mean, trying to edit, you know, his work. I mean, these people that are brilliant and so gifted like Walter and Beekner were, you know, it's just like, <laughs> Don't mess with brilliant it. shine through. <laughs> Don't mess with it. <laughs> but whatever Walter is doing is not a, a recipe. Uh, during COVID, I've become a chef. And uh, so I'm trying all kinds of things. And I tried my hand at a chicken korma the other night. And uh, it was a very elaborate. I mean, Indian cooking is very, very subtle. And you've got to build flavor over, over multiple uh, uh, layers. And uh, it didn't come out, the, the korma didn't come out all that great. The chicken was great, but the korma itself, not so much. So I tried my hand at it again, and um, I did not follow what was a recipe. In other words, I just, I thought about it for a day or two, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it that way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it mm -hmm. this way. Mm -hmm. And the way that I did it was based upon a path that I had followed before mm. in making curry. Mm. And do you know, it came out right. Mm. And it was, it, it approximated what uh, chicken kormas I've had in fine Indian restaurants before. And um, Walter is not a recipe writer. There's nothing recipe about him. He just does it. <laughs> he does it because he knows how to do it. It's in his bones. And, you know, he stayed relevant and contributing amazingly for so long. Yeah. What, what do you attribute that to? The sheer brilliance or, or, or his, yeah. his ability to understand, you know, today's culture and, and, and the sociology and historical kinds of things that you said he reads or what, what is it? I think number one, he's he's inherently curious. 
he, he, he's curious. And uh, the second thing is he's humble. He's humble in the sense that he knows he doesn't know it all, and he takes that curiosity that's inside of him, mm. and he goes and he reads. He pays other people the, uh, the great um, uh, compliment of actually reading their work seriously. Walter still reads, you know, a, a book every day or two. He does. He's just as voracious in his reading. And he pays compliments to authors, even those he disagrees with, by um, reading them seriously. Hmm. Now, that, that, those two things are very, very important. And if left alone, curiosity and humility and voraciousness of reading, that probably would have gotten close to where Walter is, but there's a... The secret sauce to Walter is a much deeper um, attribute, and that is he is called. He he's mm. possessed by something that's bigger mm. than he is. And mm. my gosh, Brian, don't we all want to be possessed by something <laughs> bigger than us? Isn't isn't that isn't that something, isn't that a lack? And don't we all want to do something that's bigger than us? Do yeah, we, of course. All, yeah. And Walter is, has been and is still obligated. Um, Ernst Käsemann, uh, a great German theologian, and I, and I would say this, that if if you might ask me who, who's analogous to Walter, I, and I, I thought about this, question. And I would say that Kazimon for me is the other great figure. Mm. Uh, some might say Boltman, but Kazimon had this edge to him as Walter has it. Kazimon read and was a realist about politics and about people. I mean, there was nothing, there was, there was no sleight of hand with Kazimon. I mean, he, he, he had his cards turned over on the, uh, uh, on what he would write about reality. He didn't hide anything. And uh, Kazimon had um, this German word for Germans are, are great for creating these compound nouns. And he called uh, Paul's gospel, gospel, um, a machtgabe, a power gift. Mm. Macht, power, gaba gift. Machtgabe. That when you receive the gift, it obligates you. It's like one of my mother-in-law's Christmas presents. <laughs> when she gives it, she gives it with a story. And that story, wow, that's a script for using the gift that she gives you. Interesting. Interesting. And there's a script that comes with the Bible. Hmm. If you receive the God of the Bible, well, there's a script. There's an obligation. And I think Walter is obligated to be a force. And he has been. It seems like one of his gifts is synthesis. Yes. You know what I mean? He, he can take in so much, right? You know, as you said, from all these different sources, obviously mm -hmm. including the Bible. But it's not just taking it in. It's also synthesizing, yeah. you know, and, and, and kind of spitting it back out, so to speak, in a cogent, understandable fashion. It, he, he's, he's almost, a, you know, we turn tune into uh, um, news TV shows and listen 
to those who uh, talk to us about what's going on in our country. And lots of times the people who populate the tables and the interviews are people who have this ability to take very complex things and turn them into very digestible, um, um, short, pithy little sayings. Um, I, I don't want to call them sound bites because it's to denigrate what Walter does, but Walter has this ability to make what is very complex remain complex through a very short saying that allows you to appreciate the complexity and to feel the insistence of the text itself upon mm. your life. Mm. I mean, this, this is, um, um, uh, Walter for me is, uh, 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 an early Bart that allows the biblical text to kind of thunder and, and, um, storm over the lives of those who would read it. Um, I remember um, I was in the back of the back of the room. Um, Walters was talking to a group of Baptists and uh, you know, Walter's not a Baptist. He preaches like one, but he's not one. And um, he chided the Baptists in the room today because this is a group of Bible thumpers. And he said, you know, all of you claim the Bible is your source of authority, sole source of authority. And that's good. Okay, I get that. He says, but when you stand to preach a sermon, you're embarrassed by the very text you say you adhere to. And I know you are because you spend the first 10 minutes of your sermon trying to introduce the sermon and the text, trying to tame it. Instead of standing and reading the text and letting it thunder and rain and lightning over the heads of the congregation, you're embarrassed by it and you apologize and introduce it away. Shame on you. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's Walter. Walter <laughs> believes in the power of the text and the God of the text to do its work, get out of its way. Hmm. Hmm. So, um, so looking forward, I mean, are there other book projects um, either you're working on or that you and Walter are working on that you could talk about? Uh, let's see. This is Ancient Echoes. We've got um, two other Brueggemann books along the way. Excellent. Um, yeah. Um, um, so in the fall, we've got this book, um, uh, Real Faith, which, you know, Classically, again, in Walter's uh, sweet spot, uh, it's a it's a collection of uh, Walter's um, quick takes on biblical texts and marrying them again against the gritty realities of life. Mm -hmm. So again, this is a I mean, it's classic Brueggemann. Um, I mean his his writing his writing is for theology. What film noir is. I mean, there's there's always it's why, it's why it's why all the great bogey, you know, detective shows are in black and white. Why they should never be colorized. The grittiness and the shadowiness of life itself informs, and yet there's a nobility. Even even at the end of Maltese Falcon, you've got uh, you've got bogey doing the right thing. Um, so so. Uh, real faith. And then we're very excited 
by the fact that Conrad Carnegie has um, agreed uh, to allow us to publish his theological biography of Walter. And that will come out in the fall as well. And uh, it is a real, real uh, interesting book. Uh, it It's a hard decision to publish a, a biography of a contemporary. Um, there, there are not many people who merit it. And uh, it's, it's a bit grandiose to do so. And they even do so while the subject is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Walter's, the pilgrimage of Walter's thought over three or four decades has made it so. And we're certainly the people to do it. I mean, uh, um, Walter has published with absolutely everybody. Um, <laughs> But he's published his big books with us. Mm-hmm. And Fortress is home for Walter. Good, okay. good. And so Conrad brought, uh, Conrad's a sociologist uh, at Elizabethtown, and he's uh, a Walter fan. Um, but that did not blind him to um, uh, working through the arc of Walter's life and showing how uh, the arc of his life first at Eden, theological, then Columbia, and then in Cincinnati has changed uh, over the years and how uh, the back and forth of his institutional life and his own uh, uh, confessional pilgrimage shaped and helped uh, informed his, his own theological trajectory. Uh, and then in the spring, we're going to republish a book that got lost along the way. Um, uh, the University of South Carolina commissioned uh, 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 these these explorations of biblical figures. Um, so David and Abraham and Moses in the Old Testament and Pilate and, and John the Baptist and Paul in the New Testament. And there was a, it was a relatively large series of volumes that um, University of South Carolina commissioned and slowly drip, drip, drip over the years brought out. Um, a, a lot of those books one or two of them got a lot of attention, but um, uh, a number of them uh, went under uh, underappreciated. So uh, we went back, grabbed everything that was still uh, left on the table at USC, and uh, we're republishing them. And uh, among those is Walter's book on Solomon. Huh. And this is like, I mean, it is it is a phenomenally good book that huh. no one knows about. Huh. So it's almost like a new book. And that will be out in the spring of 20, um, spring of 24. Wow. Well, so it's we, great still have, we still have three, we still have Brueggemann on the stove cooking away. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear, um, you know, that there's so much uh, to look forward to. So, uh, so for now, the new book is Ancient Echoes, Refusing the Fear-Filled, Greed-Driven Toxicity of the Far Right. You can go to uh, WalterBrueggemann.com to learn about that and obviously all of his books. And, of course, FortressPress.com um, to learn about this new book as well as these uh, these books that are coming out. Um, so, Carrie, thanks so much for, for joining uh, us today and sharing all this uh, history and brilliance that uh, you've been working on together with Walter. Well, it's a joy. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.